G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast here on a Wednesday afternoon slash evening reporting on another big weekend and last few big days in the sporting world. You know what I'm going to start this episode with, it is the biggest news in the AFL right now. Tim Kelly has officially been traded to the West Coast Eagles. Unfortunately, Frio fans, any chance that you thought we may have had of snaring Tim Kelly is uh, dead in the water. And let's be honest, even if there was a percentage chance, it was a very minimal one. But yes, TK gets his wish to return home to WA and don the blue and gold. Many Eagles fans will be rejoicing regardless of the copious amount of draft picks they had to give up that Tim Kelly will be running around in their midfield next year. The full details of the trade, just very quickly, Geelong will get pick 14, 24, and I think 37 after Essendon got involved and swapped a few picks around in this year's draft, and then they will get the West Coast Eagles first round selection in 2020. So really a pretty good haul for Geelong. The West Coast Eagles get back a future third round selection and pick 52 as long, uh, along with uh, Tim Kelly. So Honestly, it was a bit of an overpay by West Coast, but it was an overpay that they had to do. I just got done writing an article titled, Did the West Coast Eagles Just Trade for Chris Judd 2.0? Because if you put Tim Kelly into that West Coast midfield, it does look eerily similar to the lineup that they had when they were starring in the 2005-2006 Golden Era. So I'm very excited to see what Tim Kelly and the West Coast Eagles can achieve in 2020 and beyond. It gives them... a definite premiership window and it not doesn't extend their window but it keeps it wide open at least for the next three or so years while JK, Shannon Hearn, Louis Jetta, Natanui, all these blokes are still got fuel in the tank for Geelong. Like I said it was a massive haul and it gives them plenty of options over the next few seasons. Guys like Gary Ablett, Harry Taylor, their futures are a little bit up in the air beyond 2020. Ablett has pretty much stated that next year will be his last, but I don't think it's a nail in the coffin for Geelong. They've still got a lot to work with. I love Tom Hawkins. Tommy Stewart is arguably the best rebound defender in the game. Patrick Dangerfield is a Brownlow caliber player, so they've got guys like Duncan, Menegola, I like Cam Guthrie, so there's certainly pieces around Geelong. They might want to pry Jack Stephen away this trade period, but a deal there seems to be a bit unlikely. So it'll be interesting to see with all these draft picks exactly what Geelong does over the next two draft periods if they opt to use all these picks that they've now got in the 2019 draft or if they want to try and trade a couple of future selections to get their hands on and then maybe use all those picks to try and wrestle a big name down to their club. It'll be interesting to watch, but regardless of uh, what Geelong does, it's a very happy day for West Coast fans. Quick Little 20-second bit on other AFL trade news. Eddie Betts is heading back to Carlton. Adelaide's going to pay part of his salary, and then in return they'll get pick 48. And Grant Birchall is still weighing up his options. Apparently Brisbane and the Gold Coast have reached out to him. So I'll probably do another Fast Five later in the week, Friday, Saturday maybe, and cover all the other relevant trade news. But right now, Tim Kelly to West Coast is the only story that matters. Well, the only story that matters in the AFL. In the NFL, there's plenty to talk about. I yesterday wrote an article titled Trade Me and looked at some hypothetical trade scenarios that NFL teams should explore before the trade deadline a few weeks from now. I won't go through all of them. You can check out the article on sportsbyfry.com to read them. But I talked about how Jalen Ramsey could finally get freed from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been kind of stuck there for the last, I don't want to say a year and a half, but definitely 
the last three or four weeks. His future there seems to be uncertain. So the Philadelphia Eagles are one team that could use a bit of an upgrade at cornerback. And while Ramsey is due for a payday in the near future, I think that it's definitely a trade that Howie Roseman and the Eagles should explore. They might have to give up two first-round picks, but Jalen Ramsey is a star cornerback, so that's a trade that I think they should uh, definitely entertain. New England, I said that they get some wide receiver help. I did list them receiving Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos. They're not really achieving anything of note right now is Denver, so Patriots could probably pry him away for a fifth or sixth rounder. They might go after Stephon Diggs or AJ Green, who both appeared in the article as well, but I think it's wise for New England to invest in some receiving help, especially with Tom Brady not getting any younger. The other big trade that I proposed was Cleveland desperately getting the offensive line help that they need. They didn't look great. I was able to watch their Monday night game against the 49ers, and we'll talk about in a bit, but yeah, they've got a losing record right now. They've gone from being preseason media darlings to uh, having a lot of question marks surrounding the franchise. So trading for Trent Williams from the Redskins, who, like I said, fired their coach after week five, is probably a smart maneuver. Trent Williams is a perennial uh, all-pro tackle and will definitely help Baker Mayfield have a bit more time to make some decisions and get the ball out of his hand. So they're just a couple of the trades that I looked at. But like I said, check out the article to read all eight, I think there was, at the top of my head, hypothetical deals that should get done in the next couple of weeks. Fifth week of NFL action is in the books. That's the third thing that I'm going to discuss. I didn't really hit on any of my bets. The bloody Jaguars kind of proved me wrong. I thought that they might be able to put a bit more of a fight up against Carolina, but full credit to Christian McCaffrey. He's out here carrying Carolina right now, and he's emerging as a genuine MVP chance. I think he, Pat Mahomes, and Russell Wilson are not in a class of their own. I mean, Tom Brady deserves some credit for getting this team to 5-0, but it's probably more their defense that's helped the Pats stay undefeated. Similar with the 49ers, who looked really good against the Browns. They've had a pretty cruisy schedule so far, and Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't looked amazing. Their rushing group has been banged up, but they've still managed to rush for the most yards out of anyone in the NFL on a per-game basis. So I'm excited to look at that genuine test that they faced this week against the Rams. But Green Bay was another team that impressed me. I took a little bit of a second chance after the uh, the bet that I talked about on last Fast Five. I took another punt on the Packers covering there. I think they were three and a half. They had a three and a half point head start against uh, Dallas, which I jumped on. But then I need the Chiefs to beat Indianapolis, which did not happen. So another team that pulled out an impressive win, the Colts. It was good to watch. But turning my attention back to the aforementioned Panthers, they're starting to prove me wrong. Their defense looks pretty good. And McCaffrey is on pace for the most scrimmage yards. I think there's about 2,700 or something like that in NFL history. So don't know if he can keep up this torrid pace, and it'll be very interesting to watch just exactly and see what they do when Cam Newton is eligible to return. Kyle Allen hasn't looked like a world beater, but he's doing the things he needs to do to help this Panthers team succeed. So he might remain the starter, he might not, but with a winning record now, Carolina's definitely uh, got momentum trending in the right direction. Big slate of week six games coming up that I'll talk about. There's not really a hell of a lot to look forward to on the Thursday night, Friday morning game between the Patriots and the Giants. But like I mentioned, the 49ers going up against the Rams is one that I'll probably discuss a bit. New Orleans and Jacksonville's entertaining. Philly and Minnesota maybe a little bit as well. And then we've got Detroit and Green Bay at the Monday night game. So plenty to look forward to in week six. A couple of NFL fantasy things just quickly. I released my weekly waiver wire 
ads and targets, etc. I said that if you're a Matthew Stafford owner, you should hold on to him. Gerald Everett from the Rams as the tight end that I highlighted as a potential ad. Mohamed Sanu, a wide receiver from the Falcons, is another bloke you could look at. Chris Herden from the Jets. He served his four-game suspension, and he'll come back this week, along with Sam Darnold. But I think I'm going to wait on snapping him up. He's in 12% of leagues at the moment, and I'm not a huge believer of New York. So there's a couple of little tidbits heading into week six from an NFL fantasy perspective. Fifth thing I want to talk about is the NBA preseason buzz. I got to watch quite a few of the games today, or at least portions of, and the one thing that I was paying a lot of attention to was just how Michael Porter Jr. looked. He hit his first shot pretty impressively. He had a little bit of James Harden-esque about the way that he stepped to the side and canned along too, but yeah, it was good to see Porter Jr. back out in the court for the first time in, oh God, it feels like forever, but I think it's been about 18 months since he was last on a court, so great to see MPJ out there. If he can develop into the scorer that everyone thought he would be coming out of high school and kind of coming out of college, then that's a definite weapon that Denver will have at their disposal that's worth monitoring. Speaking of a weapon at their disposal, we saw that Ben Simmons hit a three, yes, not a two, not an and one, a three-pointer against, uh, I can't remember the name of the team they were playing, some random one, but the Sixers are a team that I'm really high on heading into the new season, and I'm probably going to make them my finals pick when JLo and I sit down next week to talk about a couple of pre-season things. The season kicks off, I think, late October, the 23rd, something like that, so I'll discuss more uh, about NBA stuff closer to the date, but it was good to see Ben Simmons showing off some range. It was a Strange day with Boban hitting a three, Stephen Adams hit a three. So if they can hit them, then there's no reason why Ben Simmons can't add it to his arsenal as well. Shea Gildas-Alexander also canned a couple of deep shots for OKC. He looked pretty nice. He had 24 points, and I do wonder how he'll go with Chris Paul by his side and if those two can kind of coexist or if CP3 being there is going to stunt his growth and development a bit. But what a dude to learn off for the first portion of your career. I mean, you didn't really have anyone great on the Clippers last year that could teach him a hell of a lot. So having Chris Paul next to him might be wise to keep him around for a little while from the Thunder's perspective and just help Shea learn the ropes and learn the work ethic that you need to become a perennial all-star in the league. Which, let's be honest, he kind of has that potential. I know it's a big call, but he's got all the tools, so it'd be cool to see him succeed under CP3's tutelage. Last thing I want to discuss, and I'll be honest, I'm not going to dive too deep into this because I don't know all the ins and outs, and frankly, coming from Australia, it doesn't really concern me. I know it might sound a bit bizarre, but the whole Daryl Morey, China, Hong Kong debacle that's trending throughout NBA circles at the moment seems a little bit far-fetched for me to dive too heavy in. Cutting a long story short... Daryl Morey sent out a tweet that he probably shouldn't have supporting some protests in Hong Kong. And as a result, a lot of the Chinese NBA associates are up in arms and have already talked about pulling sponsorships. They're not going to televise Rockets games and blah, 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 blah. Plenty of stuff for Adam Silver to be worrying about. But it's not great news for a Houston franchise that really has associated themselves with China in the last probably two to three years. I mean, yeah, I mean arguably one of the greatest players in franchise history and the current president of the Chinese Basketball Association is someone who played for the Rockets and it was the face of the franchise for a portion of a period of time so not a great look for Houston or for the league so watch this space I do have a hunch that this could cost Daryl Morey his job but at the end of the day he was kind of just tweeting out his own opinion and his own voice so 
I don't know if that is going to cost him his job. It might, but yeah, it's tough. And like I said, there's a lot to unpack and a lot going on behind the scenes. So I'll probably cover it if relevant news emerges and there's more things that we need to discuss surrounding that. But for now, I'm just going to stick to the basketball. That's going to do it for this Fast Five. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Hump Day. Hopefully you can get through the rest of your work week listening to this episode. Like I said, I'll be back probably Saturday at this rate. A Saturday morning sounds pretty good. A podcast sounds pretty good. Maybe even a Sunday one if I don't have enough time to preview another week of NFL stuff, cover all the AFL trade news. And then if there's any other emerging headlines from NBA preseason or the rest of the sports world, then I will certainly be discussing them. But until that time, thank you for tuning into this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the pod for more ones. Until next time, 